Today, we're talking with director Joel Gelzo about how to bootstrap a feature-length sci-fi film while working a full-time job and the lessons he learned along the way. Welcome to The Friday Habit with Benjamin Manley and Mark Labriola II. The Friday Habit is for creators, entrepreneurs, and agency owners looking for actionable ideas on how to grow their business and be more profitable. We'll pull from our combined knowledge of over 20 years and interview thought leaders that will inspire you and give you the motivation you need to kick your business into high gear. Buckle up. It's Friday. Joel Gelzo is a web designer by day, vigilante filmmaker by night. He spent nine years making and self-funding the new sci-fi time travel feature film, Norman. Joel is also a published music artist, and he's designed and published his own board game, which I don't think was in your bio, but I had to add that stuff in. Joel, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm glad to be here. And like, let me just say one thing that really actually caught me off guard, and I'll be truly honest. All right. When you said, oh, we have director. Mm-hmm. I don't like I I barely even want to say it in my own bio because I'm just like a dude that just like works on films and stuff. And I honestly I think that's like one of the first times I've heard anyone say that and like reference. I'm like, oh right. I guess I am. You know, like <laughs> yeah, I dude, you are. <laughs> like you you live in your own bubble for so long working on a film for so long. It's just like, I don't know. I I'm a prop that holds a camera and I'm like, I tell people <laughs> to do stuff and then we made a film, but I'm like, oh, I guess I'm a director. Like yeah. it feels like you need to have someone else say it to be true. And so honestly, mm-hmm. I think that's like the first time I've heard it like ever. So I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Dude, you're, <laughs> Maybe you, I should add you, this to my bio. You should. It's you're a director, you're a producer, you're a writer. Uh, we'll get it into all that editors. Um, but the uh, Renaissance man over here, you know, that's right. Well, let me, the Jack we, of all trades, master of all <laughs> <laughs> before, before we get into, uh, I want to talk more about your film and all that kind of stuff, but First, I've got a couple little would-you-rathers for you. Joel, would you rather be a slave to Darth Vader or a slave to Jabba the Hutt? (laughs) Jabba, for sure. Oh, for sure, right? Because with (laughs) with Jabba, at least you get to party and have a good time and you don't have to... Yeah, all the bounty hunters and stuff. Yeah, exactly. He was throwing raves and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Uh, Would you rather... Only be able to watch Sharknado for the rest of your life or never watch a movie again. <laughs> Definitely Sharknado. Dude, I already watched. I, me and my friend, we watch terrible movies all the time. Like, that's all we do. That's our hobby is watching, like, Amazon Prime, really low-budget movies that, you know, no one's heard. Like, we love that. It's just, it's wonderful. <laughs> all right, last one. Would you rather your film Norman be a huge success, but you're never able to make a good movie again? Or would you rather have your film be a moderate success, but each time you make a movie afterward, it's slightly more successful? Seems like a no-brainer. I don't know. I don't know about that one, honestly. I can't. I can't. I can't decide on that one. Um, I think that's. I think it's maybe because I've spent too much time on it. Yep. Well, I I, do you ever want to make a film uh, again? <laughs> well, no. That well, that's a good question. Like. I do and I don't. And by that, I mean, if I if I don't get to have a chance to make a film that I really want to make, I don't want to make a film again. Mm-hmm. It's, they're boring. Right. Like, it's not really fun. Like, I don't know. It's just like being forced to play a board game you don't want to play, you hate. You know, it's like, yay, you're playing board games because you like <laughs> board games. But I'm like, you don't get to play the ones you really want to play. So it's never really fun. 
So, I mean, I, I've worked on enough commercials with various people and clients and shot weddings for half my life. It, my favorite weddings to film would be my friends' weddings. And mm-hmm. it's because, like, when you know them, you know, you have more fun. You feel like you're more creative. Like, there's just something you're just trying to get every little bit because you know they're going to see it. And that specific person, you know, you want to, like, touch their heart. You want to pull out some emotion, stuff like that. So I think the same thing with movies is, like, if I don't... That's why I made Norman. This is why I made my film is because I wanted to do the shots that I really wanted to do. I didn't want anyone telling me you can't do that shot because it's like, no, thanks. I'll pass. I'll do something else. Like I, I really wanted to be able to control the environment of what I wanted to do. When I said I wanted to make a film in a certain way and I wanted to build a time machine out of wooden parts and pulleys and gears – I didn't want anybody saying, no, you can't. It needs to look like this because of reasons. Mm -hmm. I I feel like this is going to work. This is what makes me excited about making this film. I don't want that to be pulled away from me because that's what makes you get up in the morning and go do it. Yeah. That makes mm. sense. Yeah, well, I think that that brings us into our first question. And and Joel, I'm super excited to to meet you and to have you uh, on the show. Definitely a fan. Um, I, I love uh, sci-fi. I love indie sci-fi. And uh, when I got to watch, you know, the pre-release of the movie, uh, I just thought it was good. And then when I watched the documentary, I thought the movie was great. And so, um, I'm I'm excited to kind of ask you some questions about this stuff, but for our audience and listeners who don't know about, uh, Norman and in the movie, when, when does it officially get released? Uh, February 2nd. Okay. February 2nd. So, uh, go and, and stream this movie, uh, wherever you, you know, you can. Yeah. Right uh, now it's, it's like slowly rolling out right now. I know it's on voodoo.com V U D U. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's owned now by Fandango, but I think it used to be owned by Walmart or something. So it's on that. But then it's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray, and I'm getting that information. That's soon. cool. <laughs> so cool. we'll so, have that. We'll have that in the show yeah. in the show notes. Uh, yeah, because by the so, time this goes live, it'll be out there. Yeah. So tell us, you know, tell our audience what the movie Norman is about. Uh, Norman's about a a scientist who basically uh, he's a time traveler, or he discovers time travel, and uh, he. He goes to the past and the movies basically kind of starts in the past and it's about a guy who lives alone and uh, he's kind of in a race against time to get back to his own time. And the movie kind of slowly divulges what is going on, why he's alone for so long. And the secondary character is a little character named Annie, a little device that he made. And she's very witty and sarcastic. Uh, and it's their journey. It's, it's this journey for this character named Norman of learning to literally and physically live in the present. It's a kind of a morality tale, but it's, I always wanted to do a story about time travel. It's not about a guy who goes back and like saves the world, but it's about a guy who uses it for the most selfish and greedy reasons as just to escape his own life problems. That was it. And Mm -hmm. so what would that character look like? What would that character do? And I had a little note scrawled in a journal forever ago, and I don't really keep journals, so it's gone. <laughs> but I remember it. And uh, the little note was, a, it, it was just, I. it started with a character sitting at a table. And imagine a little dinner table, right? And one of the the table legs was short, about three inches, three or four, short, three or four inches short. And this character is reading a book. And he's reading a book, and, you know, he he puts the book underneath the table to even it out so it doesn't take it doesn't wobble. And 
that note was basically about this is a character that just temporarily fixes things to get through life. Like he could just go fix that table for good, but no, he he's reading that book. But when he's done, he puts it back under the table to fix it. So he's a temporary kind of fixer type person. And so I, that's not a, never a scene in the film, but that was just the ins- inspiration of like, I just wanted to do like, what, what would be this guy's life? This kind of person who discovers time travel and decides to go and just does on a whim. And I think a lot of people do things because it's just simply there. And it's like, I want to find out what's going on. And so he essentially does that and gets in too deep. And, uh, I think it's a really unique take on time travel, um, uh, mm-hmm. like a time travel story. Um, and I mean, that, that was the like the spark that I was like, I just I need to do this. I need to I need to see this out. I, I wanted to see it done. <laughs> that almost sounds like, uh, you know, in Pixar movies, how they have the little movie before the movie. You can make the guy <laughs> yeah. sitting at the table reading the book, you know, <laughs> the mini movie before the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that that's kind of the story of it. It's just a it's a guy who, you know, is trying to get back to his own time before essentially the world collapses. And so what's your backstory? I mean, what, what got you into filmmaking when you were a kid? Were you always thinking about making films or interested in that, that kind of, you know, medium? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I always like played with action figures and stuff like that. I would make my own stories. And then when we first got our own VHS camera, like I would, I would essentially, I think I got forced into it. I I would film like my nephew's birthday parties and things like that, you know? And then because of that, I would ask, Hey, can I borrow the camera for a week or so? And then I would just film stuff with star Wars toys. I mean, it was always star Wars. I love star Wars. Mm -hmm. So I would always build little cardboard, you know, cutouts of things and make my own stuff and get all my brothers and sisters to help do things. I was always doing that. I think I just, I loved storytelling. And I think, I think it honestly goes back to a little bit of like a childhood thing that for me, I always wanted people to take me seriously. And so I always found like, the act of storytelling, if done right, like you can get people's attention. And I wanted to be able to, I wanted people to be able to hear my voice, uh, and like what I had to say. And I always felt if I said it in just a normal way, no one would take me seriously. And, and I just, I think like when you create something like that, it's, to me, it's, it's both sad and also makes sense at the same time because you could say, Hey, you know, here's a little idea. And they're like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. And then you present it in a film, the same thing in a visual form that, like, wow, man, that idea was like mind blowing. And you're kind of like, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, it's suddenly, Oh, you're a movie maker. Now I'll take you seriously. You know, it's kind of like right. that. Cause I'm like, you know, and, and that was the whole, in a way struggle of making the film is like, you're trying to get help to make a film, but essentially you need to kind of be somebody mm-hmm. so that people trust you to be able to make a film, but right. you have to make a film first to be able to get people's trust so that you can make a film. And it's just like, Oh, right. it's tough. It's very tough. It's like the architect's first project. Like nobody lets you design their house until you've done one. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it, Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The Norman was supposed to be a, a 15 minute short film. It was never supposed to be a movie. So did you go to school for filmmaking or, or anything like no. that, like to where, you know, cause I, I know some people, you know, they went to f- school for filmmaking and then one of their projects is they have to make a feature leg film or do, you know, a, a, a short film or something like that as a project. This wasn't something that was put on your plate of something you had to do for school or anything like that. Yeah. The only classes I ever got was like news broadcast. Uh, the school I went to didn't have any like cinematic arts or anything like that. So I just did news broadcast and I remember getting F's for my, my, my 
class because I would film these news broadcast packages like really cinematically. I just couldn't. They're like, you got to frame like I just didn't under I didn't understand like why I look this way. So I'm got like dolly shots and stuff. They're like, Joel, you can't do this. This is a movie. I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> this is not a real story. News story. You're making this up. This is a <laughs> yeah, movie. I know. I'm like, but I'm like, but now this captures you. You want to hear what the story is. <laughs> it's not real, Joel. <laughs> but it, 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 it came from. Honestly, tinkering around, making stuff with my brothers for years and years and years and years and filming weddings and filming short films and, you know, copying things. I would watch movies and I'll be like, how do they do this scene? You know, you do the Hitchcock style shot and be like, well, I want to do it. You know, everyone, everyone, anyone I know who who likes filmmaking, like everyone's done it at some point where they're like, I want to do that one shot from Jaws where the camera zooms out as you're dolling in, you know? So I think you do that and then you just start like to kind of break it apart going, well, why do they do this? You know, why why does this work? Uh, Maybe I should do this kind of shot. Why do you pull out to a wide right now? Like, you know, during a dialogue scene, when is it appropriate to do that? Mm. When is it appropriate to not see a face talking? So, I mean, did you, how did you learn all this stuff? I mean, because I watched the the film and it just, it shot so well. Um, And I think that was the one of the things that, that drew me in was, you know, I could tell that the actors weren't professional actors, you know, but there was something about it that like, your eye is just so good. Uh, and, and just some of the shots and, and, you know, some of the angles and, in and framing and all that other kind of stuff. I was like, this is like a, whoever's doing this knows what they're doing because I've seen probably films that have budgets of millions of dollars that aren't shooting like that, you know? So did you Google a lot or were you watching a ton of YouTube videos and like trying to teach yourself this stuff or was it just kind of an innate ability that you had you know, out of the game. Um, no, I mean, I, to me, I, I, yeah, I can't tell you <laughs> like lenses, like at all. Like I would have my brother be like, Hey, John, what, a, what is this lens and what do I need it for? I, I'm a, what you see is what you get kind of person. So uh, for another, just another quick example, like I play drums, I could never learn to like read music, but I could hear it and kind of like play like, I can just, I, yeah, I can play by ear. And so I miss out on a lot of things that people that can read music can do, you know, fantastic fills and all this. I, I don't know that, but it's like, it's and the same thing with a camera. I've never been really good with photography. It's funny. People always say, can Joel, can you take your, take my photo? And I said, I might, I always answer with, I might, because <laughs> with it, with the camera I had, you know, I have a live view and what I'm seeing is what I'm getting. And I remember mm-hmm. when <laughs> I sent it off to uh, the colorist who did the final color grading of the film, he goes, He's like, you know, every film I get, it's always like raw, like ungraded and everything. And he goes, he's like, you show this all with the same camera. You shot it with like the default <laughs> color settings because I didn't know that was a thing. I honestly yeah. I didn't know. that. I was like, what is ungraded? What is that? <laughs> but then uh, my brother, he ends up showing me that and we were going to shoot another short film. And I was like, oh, I don't like that. I, I can't I can't see what I'm shooting. I was like, this looks bad. Let me. I maybe grab this. I was just like, you know, it's like, it's like the mother coming in for a photo, like just grabbing little Billy and like kind of pulling him in, you know, like uh-huh. that's how I wanted, how I do things. It's like, Oh, just that light a little bit, uh, mm. move a little bit closer. Uh, I, again, I just, I just watched a lot of movies. Um, and from that, like, again, doing it a lot, you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I'd say even with design, I mean, I remember Ben, he was an incredible designer. I mean, back then, like, you really have, like, web to, like, watch tutorials. You just kind of did it and you'd kind of stumble into things. So there's so much I don't know. But there's a lot that you can learn 
just by doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things of just like failing and going, oh, that did not work. Or, you know, I would watch Band of Brothers, you know? And then we would do a little military scene and we try to make the bullet hits and we do green screen firecrackers and stuff like that. And you just, you kind of figure out like what works. But the any video classes I took that were in class, like, you know, you'd learn about the rule of thirds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If I were ever to teach anybody with that, is I think some of those things are like, okay to learn. I, I think for a, to a certain point, like just understanding that it's kind of like rules of the road, but like what happens when you go onto an old farm road, you know, Oh, you don't have those lines anymore. You know what I mean? And I think with filmmaking is like, just understand that is really good, but you have to own, you, you, you don't have to stick to that. You can kind of do your own thing. But with Norman, I, I don't have like multiple takes of stuff. Like there's no like three, four angles of any of the shots you saw in the film. Those angles are it. And mm-hmm. I just always had it in my head how I never, I don't storyboard. I hate storyboarding because I don't, I don't like, I don't like getting stuck in like what I want to do. I, what I tend to do is I kind of like, like before I film anything, like I, I basically memorize a script as much as possible. Like I pretty much know it front to back. And with Norman, anytime we would shoot, I would always spend the night beforehand. I would just honestly just lay in bed. I would close my eyes. I'd play some, I'd listen to music and I would visualize the actual environment we're going to film in. Because th- when I learned storyboarding in, in, in school, like you know, for like the minor classes I got to have, it was like storyboard and write your script. And I'm thinking, I don't have a budget. I'm writing a script for like, you know, spaceships flying down and stuff like who's doing all this. So I always kind of like grounded my things going, okay, well I can write this awesome storyboard. The guy's slashing down with a sword. I'm like, how are we going to do that? You know, like I, I don't have the money for that. So I would, I like to go to the place and I get really inspired by like what we have. And that excites me. Like, and the same thing as, as a musician playing drums, like I like that feeling of, Ooh, I can make a mistake. I don't want to like follow the rules. And so I, I think I like that with filmmaking is I like to be there and adjust the light and go, Oh man, the sun really comes through that window. That doesn't quite mesh with what I want, but you know what? This works better. And then we just move the couch. Um, but yeah. yeah, just doing, doing. And then I think, you know, again, we, we had friends that would say good short film or that one was bad, you know, and mm-hmm. you got to just listen to that and just keep tweaking, you know. I have so many questions I want to ask you about the process of making Norman. And I, I think about some of the things I think about when I think about you in this process that you went through is you started out basically with no money. You're completely bootstrapped and funded it yourself. You're using uh, a Canon 6D. Uh, with 60D. 60D. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, not 60D. even a 6D. Okay. You have the nicer one. I have the crop sensor. I didn't even know, even know I had the worst one. I was like, dang it. And, and I think you used like a kit lens for at least part of it, but you, somehow you were able to pull that off. Also, you didn't have any budget to pay actors or buy props. So like, and, and you're working a full-time job. So like, most people would just be like, yeah, that's not possible. I can't have my dream of making a feature film. It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's just not realistic. Like, what made you do that? And then how did you get around those barriers? What made you be able to, like, what are some of the things you did to get around those barriers? And, like, how did you get people to work on it? How did you get yourself to work on it? Because I'm like, oh, you know, I don't have time to do that because it's going to take me, like, two hours each evening. I'm, you know, I got this other stuff I got to do. So, like, how did you make that happen? Become a professional beggar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, okay. That's actually p- partly true. Um, but um, <laughs> I, I think I like, I think I chained, I think I chained myself okay. to, to an idea that like I love so much. And I think in a way, like 
my own growing up in my own family, there would be stuff where like, I felt like I would get ignored and everything. And so I think I've always had that like sense of like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to show you hmm, and okay. I'm, I'm going to do it. And I think I've tried to channel that in a good way of going, how do, how do I explain this? Is, is it part of your identity? Is that what you're saying? Like where it's like, it's part of who you are or is it more like, this is like, oh, well, if you don't think I can do it, well, let me show you. Is that the kind of idea? Yeah. I mean, like I have a bit of that where it's like, I feel like a lot of my life, it's, it's, it's been a lot like that, you know? Um, I, I mean, again, I've had some incredible friends that helped through this entire nine years. Some of them I've made because of Norman, uh, like the props guy. I literally met him a week before I started Norman. And then he's only known me th- since I've been making Norman. So for like <laughs> nine years, and he's been with me the entire step of the way. We're incredible friends. You know, we hang out all the time. I mean, it's, I would never change a thing, but I think it's like, yeah, I, I get that. Like, I want to do it. Like I, I just, I got so sick and tired of people saying, well, you should do it this way. And then I go, Oh, Oh, awesome. You got some feedback. I said, well, what do you think I should do? Oh, well, you, well, you know, they never, no one, it's hard for people to make that. Like, it's so easy to make like a suggestion, like, uh, like, for example, even even with Ben, even like, let's just go back six years, right? Yeah. You know, Ben is one of my best friends. And he would always be like, man, this looks great. This is, you're going to do really well, right? And I always think like, it's not that it's easy to say, because I appreciate what he said, but it can be so easy for people to say, oh, dude, it's going to be awesome. You're going to do great and everything. But when it's on your side, when you're the one in control of it, and you're thinking, crap, is this going to be good? Is this going to work out? We still don't have the visual effects in, still don't have the final music. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this thing. It's, it's tough. And you have to, you have to find it somewhere because it's wonderful to hear that. But what's tough is like when you go to some people for help and they just offer these, Oh, you you know, you just, dude, you need to get a budget, man. That's what you need for the film. I'm like, okay, cool. Sweet. Where do I get that? Like, Oh, and then you don't hear from them. And it's like, I got sick and tired of that kind of thing happening over and over again. I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to do it myself. Like, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just going to like sue me. I I fell into it and I did it the wrong way. Sue me. You know what I mean? Like that's uh how, that's kind of how it felt. It was like, like, it's not my fault. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm just doing the best I can to get it out there. You know, I'm not saying that it's going to be a good movie or not. I just want to make the movie I want to make and we'll see what happens. But it's like, you would almost get this judgmental of like, but you're not, you could be doing it in a better way. And I'm like, okay, cool, sweet. I help teach you that. Show me that way. What what can I do? And then they, they would fade away. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, well, fine. It would, would have been awesome to have that guy who's incredible at writing or incredible at visual effects, but, you know, they disappeared. So I guess I got to do it this way again. <laughs> yeah. What, what was the point of no return? I mean, because I know you said that it was originally going to be just a short film, like a, a quick 15 minute little deal, 20 yeah. minute short film. And then yeah. that was it. What, at what point were you like, oh, let's keep going. And then... At what point were you like, crap, I've gone too far. I have to go all the way. (laughs) That's a really good question. Uh, To answer the first part, it would be, so it was going to be a short film. I had kind of like a longer segment of it. uh, And then we were like, "Ah, I just like this little segment and we can maybe do it. It was when Stephen Birch, who plays Norman, when I would show him some of the footage, I think it was after like day or three or four. He, he just thought it was going to be like a little, project and it was going to be nice and everything. And he didn't quite realize like the level I put stuff in. And I wasn't planning on making a feature film at the time. It's just more of what I, when I tell people I'm going to do something and I, I put so much into that and I have to be careful. But when I say something like it, it really hurts me 
when I say I'm going to be there or I'm going to do this or I got your back, whatever, and I can't do that, like it really cripples me. And so what I make, and it's, and it's, it's extra hard when you really love what you want to do. Like, it's like, I like this. I think it's going to work. I want to see this to the end. And then like, I don't like fade. I don't like just kind of fall, fading away and be like, oh, what happened to that film? Like, oh, you know, I don't know. I'm like, nah, I was, I was like fired up from the start and I just kept it. But I think it was once Steven saw some of the footage and he, it was kind of like taken back like, oh, this looks actually like a movie, you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and it was funny because like we had never worked together before or anything. So, and I actually, I didn't even tell him he had the actual part of the main character yet because like, I didn't know who he was. And I was like, I didn't, if he was like bad at it, I was kind of like nervous to be like, yeah, you're the main character. So I kind of like, he kind of like was filming the main character without knowing he was filming the main character. Uh, Secret. It's like, casting. I didn't know what I was going to say. Like, oh yeah. crap, you're not good. I, what do I do? <laughs> right, right. That's funny. But I think once he saw that, it inspired me to be like, you know, maybe I can make some more because all of a sudden they got interested in actually doing it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't just, oh, I'm helping out someone like, oh, yeah, I want to make more. Now, obviously, no one had any clue it was going to take this long. It right. was going to be another seven years. Yeah. But we spent about a good three years filming it. It was again, it was off and on. I think it was roughly about 58 days worth of shooting. Was it like evenings or was it like weekends? It would be, a, it'd be a, a Saturday morning from 6 a.m. to like 11 a.m. That was it. Like it would just be a couple shots like of him journaling, like just his hands because he got a job at a restaurant and he had to shave. So he had to be clean shaven, but we needed him kind of like had a little bit of stubble to match the shots and a haircut, different haircut too. So it was like, well, crap, I guess we'll just film the next couple weekends, just him walking around his feet and stuff. And so we <laughs> did that until he, he did, he like got out of that job and then we did something else. But that's essentially what he, he would keep his clothes in the back of his Jeep. And, uh, he would literally come over and we'd film for a little bit. It would just be me, Steven and my friend Pecor who has let us use his house and keep the time machine there for all eternity. All right. Before, before you go on, I want everybody listening to go to normanthefilm.com and actually watch the trailer because the way you're saying it sounds like, Oh, I was just using a video camera to like film a guy walking around in his house. But if you go watch the trailer, you're like, this is an actual movie. So it's like those two (laughs) realities are like, it's like hard to like make those two, like people don't understand like how those two realities can go together. Like this is the result of you like working on the weekends with random people that you work with. Like that's, that's what's, I wish I had that Ben. I wish I had that Ben at the start. And that's what I always felt like I was having to prove myself nonstop. Mm -hmm. And maybe, and I think you maybe do. And I think that's actually important. Like if you want to get anybody's help with things, you have to show up. People who are friends, who are good acquaintances, they're always going to help you once. They're always going to help you once, maybe a second time. But when you don't show up and, or you don't, you're, you don't have your act together, they're not going to be willing to jump in the next time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important where if you're trying to make a film or whatever, show up. It doesn't, it, here's the thing. Your film could be good or bad and it doesn't matter. But when you want that help mm-hmm. and when you want, you, you have to be courteous, you have to show up on time. You need to do, show your best effort. You need to put in the most amount of work to show that you're there first. You need to leave the lightest, you know, like that makes such a big difference. And that was huge for getting the guy who did the music. Uh, we actually had a guy here in my own town who offered to do the music for free and he does incredible music. Awesome guy. Really awesome guy. But I just, the music, I was like, it just didn't fit. Like something I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if it doesn't fit. And this other guy, Daniel Chalitzer, who did the score for the film, he's from California and he sent me an email after seeing the Kickstarter when I 
put it up uh, back in 2014 to raise some money for visual effects, thinking, gosh, that would be... I, I still have emails, oh, it's coming out fall 2014. I'm a moron. <laughs> and so this, the guy who <laughs> sent me an email about it says, I want to do the music. So we talked and talked. He, like, we just clicked. I was like, oh, we mesh so well. This guy gets the film. And he's like, he's like, okay, let me, let me put up a budget and everything. And he goes, he's like, I think it was at the time it was $2,000. And I, I was like, so I had to like my name. I was like, I, I replied to his email. Hey, what if I, uh, if I gave you $300? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, he goes, Joel, man, dude, I, oh man, I can't, I, like, I really want to do the film. I just, I, I, there's no way. And so I said, I was like, dude, what if you did this? I will pay you a hundred dollars a month to pay the 2000, right? I will not miss a payment. <laughs> if you need to stop working, you just stop working and do other jobs that actually make money or whatever. And you just come back whenever. Cause I was like, you know, I, I figured it would at least be a while to, to, to finish the film. And he's like, all right, I'll do that. You know? And we signed this contract and I was terrified. I'm like signing a contract. So I'm like, what am I doing? You know, it, it was very scary the first time. And you know, I paid him like the first two months, but it was after, I think it was like just maybe not even the second month. We just became really close friends. He like fell in love with the project and it just became his own thing too. And we become he really like great it. friends. Yeah. Like never thought about that ever again. I mean, I made sure I, I paid him, but it was just like, it was never a thing. And to me, I, I'm, I'm like really, really proud of that because to me, the whole filmmaking process is just as important, if not more important to have like a good like crew to work with fun mm -hmm. people. I got to work right. with like my best friends yeah. on a movie like that was honestly such a a blessing. That was like the best thing ever. It's literally just like showing up in the morning, drinking some coffee with your friends and going, all right, let's dig in. What do we do? This next scene with a journal. And then Ben would come over some days or my cousin would come over. Or my brother would come over. Um, the the music is fantastic. It, oh, it's, thank you. Thank it's you. so I'll, legit. I'll, I'll I mean, I, that, that's the one thing I think is so crazy is just the production value of, of everything. Like mm -hmm. how much was the film like all in after 10 years? What, what was like the cost of it? Like, was it like Napoleon dynamite? No, it was okay. about 40,000. <laughs> okay. Wow. Napoleon that, dynamite was a million and a half. I think. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Every film festival I went to, I, I was like blown away. Cause I, I was asking, I was, I asked people, I said like, I was like, what was your first film? Like, what, what's a low budget? They're like, oh, you know, low ball and about maybe 700,000 to a million. I was just like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? Like, oh yeah, like, like usually a low budget is like a million and a half, whatever, like micro low budget, you know, it's like 500 grand or whatever. Like now in, there's different scenes, like in the complete indie, indie filmmaking, you know, you right. have the like zero budget, nothing, just, yeah. you know, you're making with your friends, which we did. Norman would have cost I think a really good chunk of money if we got to film it over like, you know, six, you know, three to six months and package up, of course, because the, the Norman suit on its own was the most expensive thing in the whole film. It really? was like probably like, yeah, it was probably like 10% of the whole budget because <laughs> wow, the, okay. the, the suit and the helmet, uh, because we did a lot of research to try to find a helmet that I, I would say normal filmmakers couldn't find. Everyone would search on Amazon or, you know, like the space suits, NASA suits, yeah. you know, it, unless you got a custom, unless you got a custom one, which would even cost even more, people would always. You, if you look, if you watch enough sci-fi low-budget films, they're all using the same type of helmets, you know, or they're all renting from the same place. So we found ours through like a really obscure magazine, and I think there's actually a couple shows now on the Sci-Fi Channel, like some legit shows that have it, and you can see it. I think it's in the uh, what's that one movie, Arrival. 
they use okay. those. That's actually one of the same helmets that we use for Norman. Oh, it's like cool. one of their versions. Hmm. Yeah. But just that piece alone, I think was, uh, uh, I'm really proud of because you just are not immediately go, Oh, I've seen that on Amazon or that's a prop or that's right. NASA. You know, it's, it just, you, you couldn't, you can't locate it right away. So it helped create that as a character. Yeah. And then he had a motorcycle suit, a rain slick. That thing was hot as heck. Uh, he was always sweating it, like literally sweat just drenching out of it. Um, and then the backpack we just built out of like PVC and CPU fans and stuff. <laughs> All right, we're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, go to thefridayhabit.com. There you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, there you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, Go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at the Friday Habit.com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday. Friday.